0: welcome back to the channel there is just one day left of royal ascot 2023 which means we're on to the final royal ascot daily podcast with ross miller and myself tom collins i hope you've enjoyed the content across the the course of this week we had a successful tuesday wednesday and thursday not so much but hopefully we'll pick up going into saturday's racing it also means there's one last chance for you guys to take advantage of sbk's fantastic offer this week Bet £10 on horse racing multiples and you'll get a £5 free bet with SBK. That's for new and existing customers. You need to opt in to qualify, but everything's on the screen for you to look at right now. Ross, I'll come straight over to you. How have you enjoyed Royal Ascot this year? Have you really enjoyed it? Is it as good as Cheltenham or have you not enjoyed it so much?
1: Uh, you're pushing it to say is it as good as Cheltenham but I have really enjoyed it and obviously jumps we make no secret on the podcast is is my main love and when we're talking about festivals we're talking about Cheltenham which can be dominated by a very small number of jockeys trainers and owners and one of the enjoyable things for me has been that you know Royal Ascot lots of different jockeys getting on the board uh, lots of different owners and and, and plenty of different trainers which I think makes for exciting viewing we obviously had the, the the royal winner Desert Hero that's always a good thing for, for Royal Ascot and just some high class racing. And on top of all that, I have really enjoyed this year feeling like I can get, really get involved in the, the, the discussion on social media and my Twitter as to where the where the track is quickest and why aren't jockeys riding on the quickest part of the track, which uh, has baffled me every morning over my breakfast. And uh, it's something I'll miss on Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first three days, we went far side was quickest, near side was quickest, centre was quickest. The jockeys didn't want to go centre in the first race, the Norfolk on the third day. So yeah, God knows about the the going and what we'll get on Friday, on Saturday, sorry, where the, the quickest part of the track will be. As you said, the Kings had a winner, which was fantastic on Thursday. Uh, no Wesley Ward winner. I think that's the only thing we were missing. His horses haven't really run very well at this meeting for the last few years now since Campanell last won. Um, but we've still got a fair few races left at Royal Ascot. We're filming this on Friday morning. Morning, but you'll be seeing it going into Saturday rather than Friday. What has been your performance of the week, Ross?
1: Well, I think so far it has to be Mosterdaf. I mean, I watched that bat last night with a view to sort of trying to find a reason as to why the others perhaps, you know, were so well beaten and I, I couldn't see one. I mean, you could maybe argue that Luxembourg was a bit softened uh, up early by the American Raider, but I thought Adair and, and Baybridge had absolutely no excuse whatsoever. And it looks like Moshtaff is just a very, very good horse back over this trip on, on quick ground. I mean, he was a, a very impressive winner. Um, and it does open up sort of uh, a campaign for him for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I thought Mosterdaff was really impressive on Wednesday. Uh, two other horses I'll give a shout out to in this category. Vauban on day one. Yes, he was extremely well treated, uh, but I think he was given a great ride and he just bolted clear. And, you know, there haven't been too many winning short price favorites this meeting. So the fact that Vauban went in the final race on Tuesday really helped punters, albeit Wednesday was a, a bit of a disaster for for those punters. Um, but I'm actually going to give my award to the most impressive performance to Jimi Hendrix uh, in the Royal Hunt Cup. I thought his effort was fantastic. Second, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th all came stand side. Jimi Hendrix went far side and still won. Massive performance and a good ride from Ross Orion, who's had a nice week. Okay, let's go on to Saturday's racing then. Uh, We've got to preview two races from Saturday. The first of which is the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. Now, Australian challenger Artorius, who finished third in this event last year when he got a bit of a luckless passage under Jamie Spencer, uh, heads the market currently at 130. Hong Kong's Wellington is uh, second in the market at 6-1. Ryan Moore takes the ride there. Then you've got the likes of Highfield Princess, who finished second in the King's Stand on Tuesday. Ross, who do you like in this year's Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes?
1: Well, I have to confess, I know nothing about uh, the Hong Kong Raider Wellington other than he shows plenty of boot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I mean, it's been a long week. It's, it's been, been a long, long week. week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Highfield Princess, um, you know, looks like six furlongs is, is, is perhaps her trip. She was really coming back in the king's stand the other day um but i still am just not convinced by her and i, and I know people are sort of quibble that um i don't think artorius has got to improve an awful lot on his third placed effort last year to win this um by all accounts have been doing a lot of work getting him out of the gate a little bit quicker and making a bit more use of him through the early part of the race uh, james mcdonald obviously is a is hard oh, an upgrade on on jockey bookings for all you can't knock jamie spencer um he's got a nice drawing eight because that will hopefully give him a chance to go wherever the, the ground is quickest on, on Saturday. Um, so I do like him, but I think if you like him, you've got to cover that with, with Sacred for, for, for William Haggis, I fully admit that she's probably a better horse over seven furlongs but I think this be run at a fast pace she showed last year that she can she can just about hang on to their coattails at six furlongs, um, obviously William Haggis on the board now with Desert Hero um, and I just thought a much bigger price than Artorias. she's not got an awful lot to do to find that find that distance and she was messed around a bit in the closing stages last year, so those two against the field um, I suppose Highfield Princess would be a really nice winner given that she was perhaps shade unlucky uh, on the first day
0: yeah she would write headlines uh highfield princess if she won this coming back off the short break after running on tuesday i think Artoris is the solid option in the race as you've covered there sacred's got that really high cruising speed and a nice turn of foot if they do go exceptionally hard up front she could be the one that travels the best in the race I'm going to give a shout out to another traveler though and that's rohan a horse i just love at ascot he's four from six at this venue two from two at royal ascot having won the wokingham in 2021 and 2022 the strong early gallop will definitely suit him it's just whether he's good enough in this grade but i'm happy to take the chance at a double figure price we'll move on to the jersey stakes then ross uh, which has been won by charlie appleby and godolphin for the last two years They've got the third favourite this time around in Mysterious Knight. But the market is all about Covey. The son of Frank was five to two and it's eight to one bar. Is he too short though, given what he's achieved? Yeah, I think he I think he is, TC. I think he's um uh, a bit of a not a hype
1: horse, but I think he's 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 looked very impressive. But this is going to be by far and away his toughest test. And as we've seen all week, horses that can win by wide margins in weaker races don't necessarily translate that to, to the sort of cauldron it is Royal Ascot. I really like the Antarctic here. Um, Full brother to Batash, who obviously was very speedy over five. But having covered covered the Juvenile Division last year, I was desperate for him to go over seven furlongs for the back end of the year. He's always finishing quick over over six furlongs. Got really good form over six furlongs. Second in the middle park to, to Blackbeard, who was... A really impressive two-year-old, you know, we don't quite know what he would have done at three because he's gone straight off to stud. But I just thought Antarctic, yes, his pedigree suggests that this might stretch him. But when you watch his run start, I'd be very confident he'll get the seven furlongs. Um, I expect him to be delivered fairly late by Ryan Moore. Um, He's riding absolutely out of his skin this week. And uh, yeah, for me, it was Antarctic. I thought he was a decent price uh, against a vulnerable favourite.
0: That's very interesting because we've generally sided over the last few weeks and actually months, we've sided quite a lot with the same horses. Uh, I feel like we're singing off the same hymn sheet a, a number of times. But I had a, an opposing view with the Antarctic in the fact that I didn't think he would stay the seven just based on that effort last time where it looked like he was screaming out for the line over six. But, you know, I will uh, I'll bow down to your superiority here. Hopefully he does stay uh, the trip for, for your sake. Um, I was quite keen to take him on personally, as well as Olivia Meralda, who uh, is a Philly and no Philly's won this race since 2012. I also don't like Mysterious Knight, who uh, has been fitted with a tongue tie off the layoff, has been gelded. It looks like they're looking for a way to make him better, which I don't generally like with short-priced horses. And Covey, like the highest rated horse he's beaten is 83 in his career. And he probably wasn't even an 83 horse at the time that Covey beat him. Last time out, he was very impressive, but they went a slow gallop. And the sectionals didn't really suggest that Covey was the best horse in the race. He didn't even clock the, the fastest final three furlongs, despite having the run of the race and crawling up front. So I've got to take him on at a short price. I'm actually going to side with Emphjar, who's second favorite at the time of doing this pod. Um, he won a good new market maiden first up. Last year, the seconds one, the thirds one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth and the eighth of all won since. So that form looks pretty strong. Then he fairly hacked up uh, on his reappearance. It wasn't a very good race, but it was over two seconds quicker than Division Two. So I think that can uh, give show you just how good uh, M4jar can be. But again, there's a lot of potential rather than proven form with him. Um, Ross, you know the drill by now. Are there any other horses on the undercard on Saturday without giving away your Napa next best that you would like to mention?
1: Uh, just just a tentative one at a big price and what I think is a, a wide open Chesham. Um, I mean, the, the the Aidan O'Brien filly at the top of the market, Pearls and Rubies. Uh, she's shown plenty of speed over five furlongs. If she stays this trip, which Pedigree suggests she should do, then then she is perhaps the one to beat. But just at a much bigger price, a um, horse that finished third on debut at Windsor for Richard Fahey. Matt Nook, William Buick keeps the ride. He rode him at Windsor. He absolutely fell out of the stalls and gave them probably the biggest head start I've seen one give this year. Uh, was posted wide, came wide up the uh, up the middle of Windsor when everything was coming up the stand side rail. Stayed on, really eye catching the under. Far from vigorous uh, handling from William Buett. Once his chance of winning had gone, he settled to sort of educate him rather than than really drill him out to the line. Um, By see the stars, so this step up in trip on a stiff track is definitely going to suit him. Um, I thought he showed he had lots of class and looked like a really nice individual. He's around about 20 to 1, maybe even a bit bigger. um, And I thought he was overpriced in the Chesham. It's a wide open race if you take the favourite out of it.
0: Yeah, currently, as I say, we're recording this on Friday morning, so the price may not still be the same when you're watching it. Uh, but Matnik's currently 28-1 to with SPK for the Chesham, so it's a big price there, Ross. Um, I don't have any others I want to throw into the mix at this stage before Napa next best, so let's just move on to our best bets on Saturday. Ross, like usual during this week, you can go first.
1: So it comes in the in the six ten, which I think I've focused on the six ten a lot this week. Uh, Stratum won this uh, Queen Alexandra last year. Um, I think he looks primed to do the same. Had a sort of pipe opening run at Leopardstown where he sort of ran over a mile and six furlong. Didn't look like he was sort of particularly put in the race to me. Uh, Willie Mullins has already uh, landed a big prize this week. Uh, He tends to gear his sort of highly uh high class hurdles that are perhaps just below top class he doesn't tend to to fuss with them too much through the winter if he can find a big pot from on the flat i think that's definitely the case with stratum i'm pretty certain his entire calendar year has been geared around this since he won last year uh william buick on board is a good booking um, and i'd be disappointed if stratum didn't win the the finale on saturday and then my next best uh, is artorius in the queen elizabeth ii Um, I think he's got a lovely draw. I think he's uh, improving with age. If he comes out the gate a little bit quicker, uh, I think he can win this and make up for uh, third place last year.
0: Out of time recording then, Stratum Ross's nap is around nine to four, but it's been extremely well-backed and could be shorter uh, when you're watching this. Um, Artorius is about four to one in the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee stakes. My nap is going to be a simple one, really. I don't love anything on the Saturday card, um, but I just think Huckham is the most likely winner in the Hardwick at 420. He's a prolific winner. Uh, 10 victories from 16 starts in his career. He's won at this meeting before as well, courtesy of a romp in the 2020 King George V stakes. And he looked better than ever when and he Overturned Desert Crown last time in the Brigadier Gerard. Unfortunately, Desert Crown obviously not been seen since uh, due to injury. Uh, but I think Huckham's just going to take a big step forward from that display. And there was no fluke about the fact that he beat the Derby winner either. Um, and then my next best is going to be a horse in similar colours. In fact, the exact same colours, and that is Enfjar in the jersey. As already mentioned, he's a good price. I think given he boasts that high ceiling, the same high ceiling that Covey has, but Covey's five to two and M4jar's eight to one. Uh, for connections who are desperate for a Royal Ascot winner this week. Now that brings us to the end of this mini series. Please whack the like below if you've enjoyed it and subscribe so that you can see all of our future podcasts. Uh, Ross, myself and regular host Jess Stafford will be back next week to preview next Saturday's uh, races. And a quick reminder... The new and existing SBK users can get £5 in free bets when you place £10 on a horse racing multiple. Again, you need to opt in. Otherwise, you will not qualify for that offer. Thanks for a fantastic week, Ross. It's been a pretty difficult punting week, but hopefully Saturday will be exceptional for both of us. Have a great last day at Royal Ascot too, guys. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you soon.